0: Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1060 of the Juicebox podcast. Well, this one's going to be a little different. Today, I am talking to two sisters, Naomi, who is 50, and Sima, 45. They both have type 1 diabetes. While you're listening please remember that nothing you hear on the Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're looking for a community around type 1 or type 2 diabetes, check out the Juicebox Podcast private Facebook group. Now, I know I just said type 1 or type 2, and now I'm about to tell you that it's called Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. But We have so many people in there. It just doesn't even matter anymore. 43,000 members strong, 125 posts a day. There is something happening in there for you. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook, an absolutely free and absolutely private diabetes Facebook group. And if you want to look into any of the series within the podcast, you can go into the Featured tab of that private group or the menu at the top of JuiceboxPodcast.com. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by U.S. Med, usmed.com slash juicebox. U.S. Med is a fantastic supporter of the Juicebox podcast and also the place where Arden gets her Omnipod and Dexcom supplies from. But you can get those and much more at usmed.com slash juicebox. Head over there now to get your free benefits check or call 888 721 1514. Get your benefits check and get started today with US Med. Naomi is 50. She was diagnosed in November of 2020. Uh Simma is 45 and she was diagnosed in 1986 when I was in high school. So, let's talk to Simma first cuz it came first for her. Simma, are you the younger of the two sisters? Obviously, yes. What was it like and do you have other siblings?
1: It was terrifying. I had a lot of the symptoms that a lot of people who are guests on this podcast describe. I was in fourth grade. I started wetting the bed, which was not normal. I was drinking excessive amounts, going to the bathroom very often. I was losing weight and I was a pretty skinny child to begin with. And my mother said, something's wrong. I I think she probably had a clue because her father had diabetes, even though they thought he had type two, but when we get to know to Naomi, I guess we can say that he probably had type one. At, he got it as an adult, and I don't think they knew at that time that adults could get type one. Yeah. So my mother took me to the pediatrician, and they did a urine test, and they said I had diabetes. I'm the third of five children. Naomi's the oldest. Then we have a brother. Then is me, and then two younger sisters.
0: hmm uh-huh. Anybody else have any hypothyroidism, celiac type one stuff?
1: I have hypothyroidism. My mother has hypothyroidism, mm-hmm. but she only got that, I think, even after I did. I got it as an adult.
0: Did you get and it after I you had a had baby? Something. Sima, did you get it after you had a baby by any chance?
1: I had it while I was pregnant with my third child, which the doctor said was unusual because most people get it after they have a baby.
0: Hmm. You know, this is... Um, Interesting, I just put up an episode last week with a 70-year-old guy named Lou, and he was terrific, but he was diagnosed when he was 36, and early on, I said to him, when they diagnosed you, you know, they thought you had type 2 diabetes, and he said, yes, and I said, but now we know you have type 1, and he was like, well, I I don't know, and I'm just, it's so, 26 years the man's had diabetes, and he was sharp, like, I know he's 70, so you're maybe like, well, maybe he just didn't. This guy was razor sharp, really knew what he was doing, understood everything top to bottom. I think under penalty of death, he couldn't have told me for sure which type of diabetes he had. But I contacted his, his daughter-in-law, and he absolutely has type 1 diabetes. So you, you think that you had someone in your family who lived the whole life believing they had type 2? Well, my,
1: my we never met my grandfather. He died when Naomi was a few months old. But... He got diabetes as an adult, and I've seen pictures of him, and he was very thin. So he's wasn't the classic type two type of build.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you know how he managed so it? Well, I'd
1: imagine he, he might have been type one. And they always said, "Was there diabetes in your family? And my mother said, Well, my father, but he's type two. And they said, Well, that's a different thing, but maybe it was the same thing.
0: It's fantastic. Do you know how he managed it? Do either of you know?
1: I think maybe boiling needles and
0: he was injecting in ge- his sugar with. He was in ge- I mean, this is. I'm sorry, I'm I'm running you over, but was he, he was injecting insulin?
1: I think so, but I'm not sure. I'd have okay. to check with that's, my
0: mother. Uh, that's fair. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. So you're little and skinny and scared. And um, do you remember, I mean, it's such a long time ago, but do you remember anything about it? Do you remember like the hospital yes. or the lead up? Can you tell me a little bit about it?
1: Yes. So my mother, they said, go straight to the emergency room. We went to the emergency room. I told my mother I was thirsty because I'm always thirsty. And she bought me a Sprite. (laughs) I remember this very clearly. And I'm drinking the Sprite. And they said to me, like, we don't think you should be drinking that. (laughs) And I was like, but I love Sprite. (laughs) So it was like, that was like, what? I'm never going to be able to drink Sprite again. I just remember being so. I think they let me finish it. I'm pretty sure my sugar was in the 600s when they tested it, which Based on things I've heard, is not so terrible. Mm-hmm. I was in the hospital for about a week. It was very scary.
0: And no, I don't, No, I don't, more, no more. No more. No more flavor for you ever again. Do we all remember yeah. the marketing around Sprite when we were kids? They, they, they were like, it's got Lyman. <laughs> I was like, oh, a,
1: I don't remember that. That's cute. Lemon lime. <laughs> they were like, it's lime. I get it.
0: Yeah, I absolutely paid clo- way too close attention to commercials when I was younger. Okay, so. Do you spend any appreciable amount of time in the hospital?
1: Yes, I think it was a, a week or close to a week. Mm-hmm. They taught me how to inject using an orange. I remember that. You know that was like the fake the fake leg or the fake arm was the orange.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We got a meter, we got a sliding scale for meals. The meter was an AccuCheck. the device that lanced my finger kills it was not what they have today. My mother called it the guillotine. It was like you put your finger in there and it just got chopped. We had to put the blood on the strip, wait a certain amount of time, the machine would beep, you wiped off the blood, and then you put the strip into the machine. So we've
0: come a long way. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Jen I don't know if you guys listen to the podcast, but Jenny, who's on a lot of the episodes with me, she had the guillotine when she was younger. And uh Yes. Yeah. Yes. She says not so. Yeah, I remember
2: we
3: your we're your biggest fans. <laughs>
0: I was just going to my next question was going to be, Sima, is this the longest Naomi's been quiet in your adult life?
1: (laughs) Well, I have to I have to just say, I mean, well, jumping ahead, but I didn't learn about the podcast till Naomi got diabetes. So she introduced me. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm very happy to hear that. So, uh, Naomi, tell me a little bit about your diagnosis.
3: So I was misdiagnosed. Like I actually heard a very similar story to my diagnosis on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I had Hashimoto's, they called it Hashimoto's and grave disease. I I was diagnosed um, actually right after my honeymoon, I was 21 and I had, so I had had this horrible thyroid issue. And so I've been taking Synthroid ever since I had radioactive iodine Mm -hmm. done in 1996 And I was pretty healthy. I have five children, never had any issues. Um, My weight fluctuated. And I would go see my endocrinologist every, I think every six months. And my A1C, I would say for like the three years before I was diagnosed was inching upwards. It was in the sixes. And he would say to me, oh, it's type two, you have to watch your weight, you have to eat healthy. Meanwhile, I was, I mean, my weight fluctuated, but I wasn't extremely heavy mm-hmm. and I worked out every day. Like I didn't have the lifestyle issues of type two. So I said, okay, fine. You know, he just adjust my Synthroid and I would just go home and that would be it. Then during COVID, I got some sort of yeast infection that wouldn't go away. And I went to the gynecologist, which was very hard to get into at that time. It was like October, 2020. And he test. I guess, as a just a standard test, he tested my glucose and he came back. And he said, your glucose is well into the 200s. Does that sound weird to you? And the endocrinologist had actually given me a blood glucose meter, but I never used it. But I said,
2: mm-hmm. they
3: did mention to me that I might be type 2, so that doesn't really sound weird to me. So then I came home, and my husband's a paramedic, and I told him what happened. And he's like, oh, my God, we have to test your blood sugar. And when he tested it, it was in the 300s. And he's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, calm down. And <laughs> – <laughs>
0: And then calm down. Listen, you'd be nice to that guy. You got sick right after you got married. You're lucky he didn't go out for milk and not come back. I know. (laughs) He'd be like, what happened here? Uh, We're (laughs) we're good. (laughs) I
3: I did get very sick though. But like type one never even, and you know, it never dawned on anyone. He, you know, he knew my sister had diabetes and it never, he retired immediately after he, during COVID, he retired. And I'm like, thank God he retired because he can't misdiagnose other people. I mean
0: he sh- Oh oh yeah, I was gonna say I thought that's where you were going. Like he retired because he's so bad. And at he's
3: this. just so bad. Like, <laughs> why didn't he test my C peptide? Why didn't I get the antibody test? Like so anyway, I when I was diagnosed, when I was yeah. officially diagnosed, my A1C was in the elevens. So, you know, it was just totally preventable.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Not preventable, but maybe I could have, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't have to get to that point. Yeah. That's it. You know, and then I was that I'm type one.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's um, I have to tell you, I laughed inappropriately a moment ago. I thought you were joking that your husband stopped being a paramedic because he was bad at it. No, no. And then I realized he's you were talking too, about the doctor. He's too good at it. He's
3: too good at it. <laughs> yeah, but I knew nothing. I mean, I knew, even though my sister had type 1, I really knew nothing about it. And they mm-hmm. obviously gave me no information. It was just don't drive when you're low. That was like That was like the nugget I got from the doctor. And so I yeah. – I,
0: I, I was going to say – It is interesting, right? Because Sima's diagnosed right on the cusp of like when things are changing, like there's all of a sudden there's meters in people's homes and, you know, um, other insulins are coming on the market and everything. But you, are you telling me you guys grew up together and Naomi, you don't know anything about diabetes on the day you're diagnosed?
3: I knew that she had, I (laughs) I knew that she had to take insulin. I knew that. I knew certain things. I didn't know the day-to-day management of it. When she was diagnosed, I was 13. I actually said to her, it's funny. We were, I mean, it's not funny, but I would say like a few months after I got diagnosed, we were sitting, we're four sisters and we were at a family function. And I said, I just have to apologize to you that I never realized how hard your life was. And she's like, you think, but I think I was a teenager and I just wasn't, I just wasn't focused on her. I remember when she was diagnosed. That was not very. I remember the day she was diagnosed, my mother came home from the hospital and said, Simi has diabetes. Don't talk to me now. Like it was obviously a very traumatic experience (laughs) for my parents. But I was, you know, I was a teenager and we actually went to camp. We went to Israel for, uh, she was, I think you were 15 and I was 19. And my mother wanted me to work in the camp so I can keep an eye on her. And I remember I had to learn how to give her, I had to learn how to give a shot in like an orange. So if she ever needed, if she ever needed a shot, I would be able to give it to her. But I never had to do anything. I mean, I guess she managed it very well on her own, which is unbelievable when I hear the stories on the podcasts about kids. I mean, she I think she really did it on her own. I mean, Simmy, maybe you could speak to that.
0: By the way, I want to point out that I'm not mispronouncing Sima's name. It's her sister. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, because right, I'm going to come off like the schmuck that can't hear somebody saying Simmy. all right? But Simmy, does it surprise you? to know how little Naomi understood about the diabetes or does that make sense to you?
1: I think it makes sense. I mean, I I guess like my mother and I were in this little bubble where in the beginning she did everything for me. She gave me all my shots, but I was already nine. So I'd say probably by a year or two later, I was giving my own shots, even if my mother was still very involved at that point in the care, but it's, it's, funny that she says like, wow, she did so well as a kid and everything. I mean, my control was terrible. But if you think about the type of technology that's available today and the type of research that's been done on like how important it is to keep your sugars low and stable all the time. I mean, when I first got diagnosed, I think they said like test in the morning, eat your breakfast and then test before dinner. And there's a whole, lot of hours there and eat lunch without taking a shot you know it would just be like oh your long acting insulin is going to cover your lunch
0: yeah but they had no real like outcome goals but isn't it interesting in a world where there are memes everywhere that say things like you can't see my burden and things like that that your own sister would say i thought she did great because you were standing up probably because you weren't crying and yelling they were probably like oh she's okay
1: Yeah, I guess
0: so. Yeah. Yeah. But you didn't grow up feeling like you were okay. Is that right? If you have diabetes, you need diabetes supplies. Why not get them in a way that is easy and relaxed without having to worry all the time? No, you know, just always, oh, is my stuff going to come? Do I have to go to the pharmacy? Do I have to call somebody? Like none of that with US Med. You get set up with US Med and it's just as easy as like clicking on an email. That's how we do it at least. They'll call you if you like, or I think even text messages. You have to check me on the text messages thing. But you know they'll call you or they'll, they'll you know send you an email and just say, hey, look, your supplies are ready for reorder. You want them? I get that email and I click on it. I go, yes, thank you. And uh, then it just shows up at the house. As a matter of fact, when Arden's at school, if I want the supplies to go there, I just get on the phone. I call them up. I say, hey, uh, this time, send this order to her college address. No problem. Just gets done. Fast and free shipping. And by the way, every time you order with U.S. Med, you get 90 days worth of supplies. So you're not doing this constantly. You understand what I'm saying? Email comes a couple of times a year, bada bing, bada boom, clicky click, and you're on your way. Actually, one time, we had a little like backlog of something, and I was able to say, you know what? Not this time, thanks. And they were just like, cool, we'll get back to you next time. It was that easy. usmed.com slash Juice box or call 888-721-1514. You're calling or clicking to get your free benefits check, finding out if US Med takes your insurance, which you got a really good chance of them doing because they accept Medicare nationwide and over 800 private insurers. US Med carries everything from insulin pumps, diabetes testing supplies, to the latest CGMs, like the Freestyle Libre 3 and the Dexcom G7. But if you want the G6 or the Libre 2, they have that as well. They also have Omnipod Dash and Omnipod 5. And uh, the Tandem Pup, though, what is that? The T-Slim? They got that one. They got what you want. USMed.com slash juicebox. Over 1 million people with diabetes have been served by US Med since 1996. And it's their solemn promise to give you better service and better care. You want white glove treatment? You want U.S. Med. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. usmed.com slash juicebox. Or did you?
1: No, I, I did. I felt, I mean, I, I think I, I kind of like dreaded going to the doctor and getting that high A1C. You know, it was often in the nines mm-hmm. and the doctor would be like, oh, it's too high. But like there they're, they're also were not the tools really to do it better.
2: Sure.
0: Yeah, he's probably talking to himself. That's too. She, high. Yeah. I wonder what I'm doing wrong here. She. Yeah. Oh, um, she, me. Yeah. Wow. In the 80s. Well, I'm sorry.
3: Yeah. <laughs> that, was, um, that was telling. Him. My, like my they care? made lady
0: doctors in the 80s. Sorry.
3: <laughs> All the way back then
1: in the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> I was first with the male. I was first with the male doctor, but he wasn't. I ended up switching to a different hospital because. My care, you know, was lacking, but mm-hmm. it was still lacking at the new hospital. And that was more because of what was available and the way they were managing back then. I can't really blame the doctor. My my mother, my parents, but really my mother took me to Dr. Bernstein at one point. That was a whole
0: disaster. <laughs> doctor, really wait, not for kids. Dr. Bernstein, the low carb guy? Yes. How did she find him? Was she corner him on the street? What happened?
1: Well, we live in New York, and uh. he was in Westchester. So I guess she had she was part of a support group, and she probably heard about him from some of the adults in the support group. And I don't think that helped at all. so after after Dr. Bernstein, I ended up switching to it to the to the female doctor in a different hospital. They put me back into the hospital for another four or five days to you know, get me back to a baseline or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we went to Jocelyn at one point in Boston. So we, we, they tried, we tried, but it was just,
0: yeah, no, I mean, the it hard. was just limited, right? The insulins were limited. The technology was non-existent and your goals were unclear. I would imagine. Right. And how long until you, Correct. Were, yeah. How long until you were doing mul- multiple daily injection? Like when did you start shooting for food specifically?
1: I don't really remember. Probably older teens.
0: Okay. And then I have one last question before I go back to Naomi why did you not like the low carb approach?
1: I think it was too hard for me as a kid. It was just so, it was so restrictive. Okay. You know, it was like you eat these three things a day and you're done. And I I think it was just too hard.
0: Mm -hmm. In hindsight, do you see it as good advice?
1: If you can do it, if you're an adult and you buy in, you know, I think low carb. Yeah, it's much. You need a lot less insulin, okay. so it's it's probably easier to keep your sugars yeah. stable Just if didn't. you go low carb. But I personally am not low carb, and I don't know that I ever would do it. Mm-hmm. But if you're an adult and you could buy in and and do it willingly, then yes, I could definitely see it working.
0: Okay. Naomi, how did it make you feel when you realized you didn't really know much about Sima's life?
3: Well, I wanted to ask her now because, like, I'm you know, I have I, I happen to have very bad long-term memory. Like I don't remember a lot of things that like my friends remember from childhood. I think I only remember the bad things, but you know, I don't remember like our lives changing that much. Like I don't remember having special foods or my mother, like we still had cake. We still had cereal. We had like all the food that we normally had. Simmy, so, mean, do we have soda?
1: This is going to be like a therapy session. <laughs> we live, we live two different lives. <laughs> You guys all resented me so much. He used to say, "Simmy got diabetes and now everything needs to change. We can't have what we used to have. We this, we that. You really don't remember anything. I
3: don't remember. You know, I was a teenager. I think I was just, you know, it literally was right when I became a teenager. So.
0: What I'm hearing is that Simmy gets like thrust into a more adult role over her health. And so the way she sees the outside world changes. Whereas, Naomi, you and the others are just like, you know, nothing means anything. You go to school, you mess around with your friends, you do your homework. There's cartoons on the weekend. Like, that's that's it, really. Like, you're not thinking about life the way she is all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Like, Simmy, you got leveled up they, like 50 levels out of nowhere.
1: First of all, they noticed that I was getting a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. They didn't like yes. that. No, more more than my fair share. They resented it. Every three months, you know, once we switched to the new doctor in Manhattan, every three months, we'd go for an appointment. My mother would take off the day from work. After we went to the doctor, we'd go shopping. You know, these things, like, kids noticed that. You know, oh, my sister gets to go shopping with my mom alone four times a year in Manhattan. We don't get to do that. (laughs) There were, I think the cake became more limited, like, maybe only on weekends. There were definite food things that changed in the house. Um, Even though Naomi doesn't remember it, it happened. The only advantage they got was that soda went from being only on the weekends to we were allowed to have it during the week because I guess my, my mother felt like it's too limiting to say like, oh, you can only drink water. So she used to let me have soda at the meal. So everyone else could also have soda then.
3: See? Diet soda.
1: Diet soda. I guess,
3: yeah, I guess that's when I started drinking diet. I think you're right. That I remember. We weren't allowed to have soda and then we were allowed to have diet soda.
0: What an ingrate, Simma, huh? She got soda. And then she's like, but it was diet. <laughs> Do you think that people who are younger can like believe or understand how we grew up with soda like it was a like a refreshing treat? Like no one thought about the health implications of it at all. Like it was it was like magic to get soda. Do you know what I mean?
2: Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And now I look at it and I think, what? Like, why would you drink this? Like, just right, like this is such a, a, a strange decision, but anyway. Okay, so this is really interesting because I understand Naomi's point of view. Like, somebody was like, she has diabetes, and you're like, oh, that sucks. Uh, but it's not like you have like a ton of empathy when you're a, a teenager, you're not putting yourself in her shoes, and then you see the changes that are happening for you, and they are impressed upon you more sincerely. So you you just remember how it happened to you. And that's it. Like what happened to you when Sima was diagnosed from type 1 diabetes was this happened, this happened, this happened, and my mom took her shopping. And, and by the way, took a day off from work, which I bet your mom never did. So that probably seemed pretty special to the outsider. Sima, you see that, right? Yes. Yeah, but you didn't give a shit back then.
1: And I still like to go shop. I still I still like to go Get myself a treat after I go
3: to
0: the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom was setting up an expensive little thing. Arden and I go out to Well, I don't know if uh, Arden and I'll ever go to an endo appointment together again or not, but we usually go for lunch afterwards and eat something that's really hard to bowl us for, just to like stick our thumb in the eye of what has happened. <laughs> so mm-hmm. to prove to prove we can do it. Sima, do you have any like long term health issues from diabetes?
1: Thank God no.
0: That's really cool uh, because it doesn't sound like in the beginning yeah. you, you were doing anything purposefully. So you're just doing that old timey shoot and eat thing.
1: Right. I would say in my 20s was when my control got really good. And then we were only shooting for seven. So by today's standard, seven is still if I was seven now, I'd be really disappointed in myself. So, I got a pump in my early 20s because I got married and I wanted to have a baby. And my doctor said I had to have an A1C of seven in order to have a baby, and that maybe a pump would help me with that. Mm. Um, I have four children, thank God, all healthy. And yeah, so far, so good. The eyes are good. The, so far, everything's good.
0: It's amazing. Good for you. That's really excellent. And now, how do you manage now? Like, what technology do you have?
1: I have Tandem with Control IQ. and. G6. Uh, Dexcom
0: G6. Nice. And how about you Naomi? What are you using?
3: So I was MDI from November 2020 until the end of June 2022 and now I'm on OmniPod 5.
0: And you're doing OmniPod 5. This is
2: interesting.
3: And you know, the first God. the first doctor I went to didn't offer me the Dexcom. I I had I changed doctors. Um, cause I was actually whole food plant based at that point when I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to find a doctor that supported that and wasn't low, you know, wasn't telling me to eat low carb. And I found a doctor and she's like, oh, we got to get you a Dexcom. Mm. And I'm like, what's a Dexcom? Like I didn't even, I didn't, I knew nothing, um, about the technology
0: In that mo- and that's, you know, that's, did Sima have sorry. one? No, don't be sorry. Did Sima have one when you were getting diagnosed?
3: Yeah. Yeah. She had everything.
0: <laughs> Do you guys talk ever? Sorry.
3: <laughs> no, yes, I, I told I her actually- to get it. <laughs> This actually brought us closer. It all sounded so weird to me to put something on your body. And it was just, you know, now it's like.
0: Oh, girls, girls, I have to take this call. Hold on one second. I'm so sorry. I'll let you listen in. Okay. Hello? Yes. How are you? Do you have something this afternoon for me? What time you got? Consider me there. Plainsboro, tomorrow morning. Yes, we can do the second one, I'm pulling up my calendar, we can do the second one, the 20, I mean the 27th, I'm going to be pretty wrecked, but how about after the 28th? The 29th would be perfect in the afternoon, my schedule's really packed that week. On the 29th? You're a gem, thank you. I'll be there. Bye. Hey, I'm sorry for derailing this, but my ferritin is seven right now, and I'm getting an iron infusion this afternoon. So uh, that was the most important thing that's happened to me in quite some time, that phone call. Oh, I I apologize. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm in the middle of working with an endocrinologist to try to figure out why this keeps happening. But um, we were doing...
3: The one you had on the podcast?
0: Addie, yes, and um, yes, for the thyroid stuff.
3: That that was one of our favorite episodes.
0: Oh, isn't she terrific? Yes, yeah, Mm -hmm. she's really, really terrific. She's pretty local. I mean, are you guys still in Manhattan?
1: Well, we're not. I'm not in Manhattan. I'm in Queens, and Naomi's far away.
0: Oh, she ran (laughs) away.
1: I know she's far
3: away. away. I moved away.
0: (laughs) Well, Naomi, I see your last name. Did you leave the? Did you leave the tribe, or what did you do?
3: What do you mean? Did I leave the tribe?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I
3: have a I have a Jewish last name.
0: Okay, I
3: wasn't sure. No, <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't leave the tribe. We, uh, you know, we were like one of the COVID uh, migrants that we uh, we moved out of the tri-state area.
0: Oh, yeah. Everyone thought to do that. Everyone here was like, "Should we go?"
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in a tax. I'm in a tax-free state. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that sounds better. Uh, yeah, as, yeah. As a person who uh, has to pay taxes on a small business that has no overhead whatsoever. Every year my accountant goes, I, you, you have no overhead. What, what am I going to write off? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I lived in New
3: Jersey. I lived in New Jersey for uh, 20 years.
0: Yeah, that's where I'm at. It's uh, taxing the crap out of me here. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, is that I'm going to get an iron infusion. And that's amazing because I feel terrible. I'm so run down. Um, I'm going to use up my entire day's energy talking to you guys. No no lie. Okay. So I want to recap a little bit because the phone call obviously threw things off. You guys grow up together. Sim has got diabetes. It's a clear, it's a clear divide between her perspective and yours. Then you said something earlier, You you stopped to apologize to her, Naomi, after you were diagnosed. Like, how, like, was that one of your first thoughts after you started having type one is, oh, my God, this is what my sister's been doing?
2: Um,
3: I mean, that was my, I mean, we, we definitely brought us closer. We talked about diabetes a lot because I had nobody else to talk about it with. Um, she gave me a lot of good advice because um, literally I had, I mean, they tell you nothing as an adult. Yeah. They literally tell you nothing. So, you know, I'm the type of person that I want to know as much as I can. And I, I want. I definitely want to stay healthy. I'm very into my health and I want to stay healthy to see my children. They're mostly grown up, but I want to. I want to be here a long time. So we got closer, and I just realized that I didn't know a lot about her day to day because there is a lot of day to day when you have type one diabetes. Right. I mean, something I will say about growing up is that. I mean, there were times my mother would say, "Oh, Simi gets Sima gets this because she has diabetes," and I was jealous when she met Dorothy Hamill. <laughs> remember that
2: Simi?
3: I don't remember that. You went where did she I Dorothy the Hamill? But she? She's the J.D. She was the JDRF spokeswoman, right? Or she was very involved with them.
0: Dorothy Hamill, like the ice skater.
3: I thought you met her. Who did I you meet? You, you met someone famous.
0: Wait a minute. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I I'm love Googling this. It. I'm having so I don't much know. fun. I don't
1: remember. Finally,
0: Sim is like, I don't know what you're talking about. No idea. You, we, have to,
1: you, we have
3: to get our met. mother on, on the podcast. Well, not only yeah, that, we Sim, have to get her on. She would have all the information.
0: Sim, Sim, again, how interesting is this? You don't remember that. And it's a salient memory for her. She's like, Remember when I got <laughs> out of meeting Dorothy Hamill? And <laughs> and it's
3: possible that you've never met I. <laughs> You met but they, re- they resented me. They resented me. We probably did. We probably did. I mean, I, I really, I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we resented things.
0: So <laughs> that, that was just fascinating. Like you're like you, you got over it. You just and it, see, it really is like just a simple thing. I mean, you guys have kids now, though, so you you see this in your own children, right? They they are very self centered and focused and on themselves and their experiences, which I think we all pretty much uh, appreciate. Plus you're in this additional situation where diabetes isn't an easy thing to manage in the eighties. And your mom is probably just like, I mean, I love the quote, like Sima has diabetes. Don't talk to me. That was like, I I thought that was very telling. Like that's your mom incredibly overwhelmed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's super. I'm sure.
3: I'm sure she was very tired. I think it was like right when they came back from the hospital Yeah, and she, she, she needs her sleep. Um, so, yeah, but it was, you know, I mean, there was a lot going on in our house. We were at that point, Sima, who was born? I mean, Kaya was a baby. Was Faya a baby? Yeah. Four of us. Yeah. Four of us were born. Yeah, yeah. It was a baby, and there was a lot going on.
0: You just said something really interesting. You, it was an off the cuff thing. I'm assuming it's like an inside joke or a known thing between the two of you. Mom needs her sleep, but mom had undiagnosed thyroid issues.
1: I don't know if it's at that point because she, she, her thyroid issues were diagnosed maybe 25 years after that. So she might not have at that point.
0: Mm, I don't know. I I, 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 think I, don't know I think people live with it a long time and don't realize it. They just, they're like, oh, could I'm be. always tired uh, or, you know. Like that Could, kind could of be,
3: thing. but she did everything, my mother. My father was always at work. I mean, she did everything. Okay. So And she would get up very early in the morning. She still does. And, you know, being in the hospital is just exhausting. And I think that literally was when they walked in from the hospital yeah. and we were like, what's going on? you know we probably like attacked them at the door mm-hmm. and she said simi, simi simi has diabetes don't talk to me right now you know it, it, i'm sure it was a, it was a lot
0: yeah no she was probably like i can't believe i had five kids and one of them's got diabetes and this guy's working all the time <laughs> that's probably what she was thinking what would you be thinking in that about you know what i mean right probably yeah so okay so you're both using an algorithm now but a different one so how did you make the decision like similar like what made you choose a tandem pump
1: okay so i i have a great story actually about this so my i was on Medtron from when i was in my early 20s i was on mini med pumps and i did not like the mini med sensor i just it hurt and it wasn't accurate and it constantly went offline i really didn't like it yeah. and my pump went out of warranty and my doctor said you should consider getting the T Slim. I've heard great things about it. And it has an al, you know, it has control IQ and whatever. And and I was like, okay, maybe, but also as much as I did not love Minimet at that point, I hate change. So it was a Sunday during COVID and we went to the beach because you gotta get out of the house during COVID. And we're on the beach. And I'm like, oh, I should start researching the, the tandem pump. I have to decide this week. And I look up and about 15 feet away is a man wearing a tandem pump and a Dexcom sensor and I'm like thank you god this is perfect <laughs> i'll
0: go with, i'll go with this so, sign
1: <laughs> no so i was like i'm going to go speak to him yeah. so i walked over and he's like whoa stop because he didn't want me to come close because of covid and i'm like okay okay i'm sorry i'm like you know pardon me but i notice you're wearing an insulin pump and a sensor and do you mind telling me about them because I have a mini med pump and I'm considering changing? Not only did he wear a a tandem pump and a Dexcom sensor, but he was a nurse in a diabetes program in one of the local hospitals. So he really knew about it. Yeah. So he told me it was great. And then I was like, okay, I'm not going to do any research. I'm just going to get it. So I've been really happy with that combination.
0: Wow. Good. That's excellent. And isn't it interesting too? Like you just needed someone with some confidence to be like, this is good and and then you can kind of trust it a little bit and then so then it's interesting Naomi, I mean when you get type one why do you not gravitate towards what Sim is doing
3: I, I mean I don't know because I, I, I remember you know, I... oh <laughs> I, I, what I
1: remember because I said to you why don't you get a pump and you said and your control was very good at that point you were probably still honeymooning and you said oh I don't need one I'm doing really well on Mdi we discussed it a few times.
3: Yeah, I was. I did very, very well. I brought my A1C down to like, I think it was in the very low fives very quickly. Um, I was very careful with what I ate. Then, so then I started listening a lot to the podcast, and I'm like, you know what? I'll wait for Omnipod five. I didn't want to. I didn't want to go on a pump and then have to change when the the next big thing was coming out. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want tubes, so I waited for Omnipod five. And then actually, the appointment they gave me was right after my son got married in June 2022. And the appointment was like right after his wedding. And I was, you know, I was apprehensive about changing. So I called up the doctor. I'm like, is there any way I can move my appointment to a few weeks later? And they're like, no, the next appointment is in December. You know, you know the way these doctors are. They can't fit you in. So I said, okay, I'll keep my appointment. And it really wasn't, I mean, changing from MDI to Omnipod 5, it really wasn't a big deal. I was just apprehensive about the change. I did go a little crazy once I was able to pump. I ate a lot more than I should have. was <laughs> just it was just so easy not to give myself a shot, so I've kind of dialed back on that. But um, I love it. I mean, my A1C is five point two, so
0: good for you. Oh, that's amazing. Do you um, have a certain fueling style you use, or how do you
3: eat? So I try to eat whole food, plant based. Um, it's it's hard sometimes because I'm cooking for my whole family and nobody else's. But I'm definitely on the high I'm car- I'm on the high carb side. I have between 200 and 300 carbs a day.
0: Mm-hmm. But specifically plant-based carbs.
3: Yeah, I try, I try to stay plant-based. Am I 100%? No, I'm probably like 80%.
0: Mm, it's pretty impressive. How about you, Sima? How do you eat?
1: I eat, I try to stick. I, I, I've heard a couple of people on the podcast say this also. I try to kind of stick to the same breakfast and lunch because I figured out how to cover them without spikes and what works. And then dinner, it varies, but there's no specific... It's not necessarily low carb, but it's probably lower carb mm-hmm. because I'm conscious of it. Um, just regular.
0: Yeah. Is it interesting, Simma, to watch someone be diagnosed in a modern time? Like, do you watch what's happening to Naomi and be like, wow, if this was like this for me, that would have this would have been amazing.
2: Well, I'll
1: tell you, um, about 10 years ago, my friends it was probably like 13 or 14 years ago my friend's son was diagnosed and he was put on what i was put on 36 years ago a sliding scale and and i said you get him out of that hospital right now there's so much more available now and she did and she moved him to a different hospital but um yeah my naomi i mean i'm happy for her. i'm happy for people who are diagnosed now i'm sad for them that they're diagnosed but i'm happy for them because there's just so much out there i mean i don't prick my finger anymore really i'm not a big calibrator i don't really calibrate my g7 my g6 i find that it works so it's it's just it's a whole different lifestyle and yeah. even the way you talk about um arden's control the way you can monitor her and and reach out to her and you know we were we were just flying blind yeah back then
0: Do you know arden is so i'm happy yeah, I'm, I'm glad that and Arden's, this is Arden's last day of her quarter in college, and she um, slept in a little bit this morning, then she had to go to class and drop off her last project, and she's not feeling well. Like, you know, she's got that, like, last week rundown cold they all have while they're running around trying to get their stuff done, and um, while she was sleeping this morning, I saw her blood sugar rising, and I remotely pushed up her basil with Loop and stopped it while while she was sleeping. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I know that's Loop. It's not it's not a, you know, a commercially available product, but I think stuff like that, like phone control and, and, and remote control and stuff like that. I think all that's going to keep moving forward. This is really, I mean, this stuff's amazing, but it's sort of tip of the iceberg. So, um, it's really, I mean,
1: the day, the the day I got the tandem bolus from the phone installed, I was like, let's make a party. (laughs) I mean, it was just, you know every every little move forward, like you're saying, maybe it's tip of the iceberg, and hopefully there's a lot more to come. But yeah. every move forward is just incredible. When I was about twelve, my parents took me to do a trial for a like an infrared glucose sensor. It was gonna lo- it was gonna be able to read your blood sugar by shining a light on your finger.
0: I remember this. Yeah, yeah.
1: that was so exciting. But guess what? It never happened. Well, yeah. now maybe I have to wear something, but I don't have to prick my finger.
0: You know what I? The one that gets me right now is that Apple Watch is trying to add, like, blood glucose. But it's so obviously not going to be for therapeutic use. But everybody gets so excited anytime a news story comes about. One day I won't need a CGM. Like, I'll just, my watch will tell me. Like, if you think in your lifetime, an infra, like, a watch sensor through your skin is going to be as accurate as Something under your skin reading interstitial fluid. Like, if that happens, I'll eat my hat. But, like, I don't see that coming anytime soon. It is just, it's interesting to see people's excitement when they don't really understand the technology as much as they just want it to work and they know it's possible. So, I even like that, that it feels possible that, that people could actually believe, like, oh, my mm-hmm. watch, you know, maybe one day I'll be able to dose insulin from my watch, like, just from what it tells me. I like that that's hopeful because I think that in the years prior to, I'm going to say prior to Dexcom coming out, maybe their second or third generation, when it became clear they were going to like iterate and keep going, they weren't just going to give you something and go, here it is, this is it. Because up until then, that was the world. I mean, the Medtronic pump story tells it. Medtronic has a huge market share of insulin pumps. And you can't find three people to tell you that they enjoy the experience, and yet they don't really change it that quickly. Whereas, so when Dexcom came out, and it was like the first one was... I would say you use the first XCOM for the arrow, like the direction. That's mostly what you cared about. Like, oh, my blood mm. sugar's moving. Because the number wasn't great in the beginning. And so we, we'd use it for direction. And then you thought, well, this is going to be what this is. And then, boom, here's another version of it. And here's another version of it. And we improved the filament wire. And we improved the software. And I was like, oh, man, these people are on it. Like, they're going to keep, you know, they're going to keep going and... It's just super, and 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 you can see how that translates to the population who now, just a handful of years later, is like, oh, my watch will probably tell me my blood sugar one day. Like people are actually hopeful, and that's uh, it's really something because I imagine when you were growing up, Sima, there was no hope that anything was happening. Like that, that meter you got was what you had for fifteen years, right?
1: Yeah, well, well, my doc the 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 female doctor, the second or third, the doctor we went to after Doctor Bernstein, she used to tell my mother like, oh. In like 20 years, there'll be a cure. But then, you know, there, there wasn't didn't really seem to be progress towards a cure. And then I kind of went into like, oh, there'll never be a cure. Mm-hmm. You know, but now I feel like even if this is as far as it gets, and I don't think this will be as far as it gets. Like you're saying, I think it's tip of the iceberg. And you see with every new, you know, year or two, something new is coming out. You know, if this is as good as it gets, this is pretty good.
0: Yeah. Well, it's not bad, I'll tell you. Um, but Naomi, what's the other side of that? Like because people who are newly diagnosed are very impatient, I I find on because they they expect they expect cell phone progress, like you know what I mean. Like every year, somebody goes here. It's a new phone. The camera's better. It's this. It's this. It's this. We made this improvement. Like that's how people want things. Do you see that? Like do you see like the um, what's the question? Like you know when you're online and there's like a Dexcom server outage. And so people lose their CGM for a little while. And the newer diagnosed people are are just like they're Scarlett O'Hara. They've got their their forearm to their head. And they're like, oh, they've got the vapors and everything's going wrong. And this is it. We're all going to die. And and the older people are like, yo, just chill out. It's okay. Like, test a couple of times. Like, do you see that difference?
3: Yeah. I mean, maybe because I'm older, I don't get to, uh, you know, it, it, it works fine for me. And if something happens or it's out or my sensor – or my sensors a little wonky, so I, j- I just I report the issue to Dexcom. I don't like, I don't go crazy. Mm. I, also, I'm not managing a child's diabetes, which sure. Let me tell. I mean, I have a friend. Her son was diagnosed when he was a baby, and he's nine now. We have we have me and me and this kid happens to have the same birthday, so it's just you know, We became close, me and the mom, mm-hmm. and it's hard. He's on Omnipod five. She doesn't know what he's eating and when. And she has a totally different experience managing his diabetes than I have managing my own, you know, using Omnipod 5. Sure. I don't think Omnipod 5 works that well when you're you're not bolusing correctly. So. Nothing does. You know, but, so I think. That's, yeah, yeah. But. <laughs> sorry, I left my airplane.
0: No. Oh, while you're getting, I'll just say that that's an interesting take too, is that, oh, I'll use an automated system and I'll just slap it on and it's going to work. It's still all settings, understanding how insulin works, understanding the impacts of your food. Like that is not changed about diabetes, whether it's an algorithm or not an algorithm. And, right. um, and, but there's a whole new generation of people who are going to think like magic, like this is, this is magic. I'll put this on and that's it. I won't need to know anything, but we're not there. Yeah. We're not to that point yet.
3: Yeah. It's it still, it still takes effort. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those that gets excited when I didn't watch the movie about pancreas transplant or I, I mean, it's working for me now. It does take effort. I am a little envious of people who can eat anything whenever they want, you know, but yeah, it is what it is.
0: Right. But and that's that's a did you suffer that? Where you just kind of, I'm going to call, this is funny. I just realized if I was alone with Naomi, I'd say, well, you sound level-headed. Then I realized her sister's here who might just like start laughing if I say something like that. (laughs) (laughs) But, but I mean, it's just a more mature, like seasoned response.
3: Yeah. And Sima said to me when I was diagnosed, she's like, you should be very thankful you were diagnosed now and not, you know, in the 1980s. And I am, I mean, I don't want to be diagnosed. I don't want to have type one, you know, like. Like the war in the Ukraine, like I stock up my Omnipods, I stock up my, I make sure to refill my prescriptions immediately. I mean, I'm totally reliant on medication now, which is a little scary for someone who wasn't. I mean, all I took was Synthroid, which even that, my husband's like, stock up, stock up. So when there was a
0: war in the Ukraine, it made you get extra insulin pumps?
3: Well, no, I just make sure to refill my prescription. It's like, I don't let it lapse because Mm -hmm. yeah, because that was one of the things that people couldn't get their insulin.
0: (sighs) Naomi, this. So par- I'm married. This, I'm married.
3: This, I'm married to like a prepper. So. This,
0: this paranoia is why there's a run on banks right now <laughs> because everybody. No, we, don't,
3: we don't do any of that
0: because <laughs> everybody can't just be like, oh yeah, I'm sure the banking system's going to collapse in 2022. What I'm
3: saying is, is that for, for 49 years I didn't need insulin yeah. to live, and now I do. So
0: yeah, it becomes very important. No, yeah. I, I understand. Listen, I I think anyone who's had diabetes has daydreamed what they'll do. When the zombies come, like what pharmacy will I go to and steal all the insulin from immediately? Yeah. How am I gonna keep things cold? Like Arden and I had a conversation once. We were watching Walking Dead back when it was cool. And um she's like, Oh, I guess I'd be dead pretty quick, huh? And I was like, right. I was like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like I didn't even know what else to say. You know, I was like, I'm sure we could scavenge some stuff, but you know, there wouldn't be refrigeration and I mean, the insulin would probably still work, even though it was unrefrigerated, not the way it's intended to, but maybe we could stretch it out a little bit. And she's like, so a couple of months? And I was like, yeah. I was like, well, we could find like running water to keep it cold. I was like, that's an idea, Uh, like a, like a, like a stream. And we're having this conversation and you should have seen how like matter of factly she was just like, oh, okay. All right. She wasn't upset by it. She was just like, oh, I, I don't make it through the apocalypse. Got it. So it was interesting.
1: Well, we, I mean, it's, it's, I totally re- relate to what Naomi's saying and we, our four grandparents were Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. So I think that some of it comes from there. I mean, I always say like, if there was another Holocaust, I would be one of the people who didn't make it
2: yeah, <laughs> because,
1: sure. you know, I, I, I'm too reliant, you know, I'm too reliant on, on the medication. So, And I also used to be a stocker-upper until my insurance started costing an arm and a leg for everything. Um, And now I don't stock up as much because it's
0: just unaffordable. Mm -hmm. I had a thought. Where'd it go? Damn it. I started thinking something stupid, and then I was pushing the stupid thought out of my head, and I lost my real thought. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Listen, me plus low iron – you know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's all I got. I'm going to jump over my question and come to a different one. Uh, and then I'll I'll circle back if I think of it again. So I'm interested, Naomi, you reach out into the world and find the podcast. So I'm going to ask Simma a quick question and then go back to you. So Simma, did you have any contact or community around diabetes?
2: So I knew
1: here and there, I knew individuals with diabetes who I was not necessarily close to and did not necessarily speak to all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'd say my control was good to really good, but maybe not great. And I was kind of just going along okay you know i you know i've been told for my whole life that seven was the gold standard so if i was like 6.5 i'm like this is great you know right and it actually took the perspective of someone newly diagnosed to be you know i wasn't really i thought like oh i know everything you Mm -hmm, know i i could have found out about the tandem probably like two years before i did if i actually was connected the way she ended up being connected yeah so she found the podcast and she told me about it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, maybe I'll listen." You know, why do I don't, I don't, I don't need, I don't need to know anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it really helped. I mean, I, I would say like you didn't say anything that I didn't know or didn't think about already, but just kind of hearing it being reminded, I was, I was not a big pre-bullicer at all. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's and right. since. I listen to the podcast. I'm much more careful about people listening, and that has made a huge difference.
0: Huge. I've heard this before. I'm glad. Um, I've heard this before. People who have had diabetes for a long time. Will say, "Yeah, I listen to the podcast." And I mean, you didn't say a ton of things I didn't know. And I and I always think when people say that, I always think, "Well, like, yeah, well, you had diabetes for twenty years. Like, you must have figured some of this out, right?" Uh, but. But then the second part of what you said is their big takeaway. If the podcast is really valuable to them, they say it's it's just a reminder. And they listen to people's conversations, and that's what kind of keeps them, I guess, connected with what they need to do. And I think that's terrific. It was certainly not something I envisioned, but I've heard about it so many times now that I'm just completely sure of it. Like, Like, some people are like, why do you have so many episodes? And I was like, because... I don't think of this as a diabetes podcast. I think of it as a podcast, first of all. And I think that if I put up three conversations with three different people a week, you know, I don't expect that you're going to listen to all three of them. But I like you to have choice and I like you to be engaged. And and then, of course, we like to, yeah. move, you know, I, and then bring in some management talk every week so that people can kind of like just refresh a little bit and keep going. Like I'm I'm trying to have a long-term view of it. And what you just said makes me feel really, really good about that. So thank you. So Naomi, how do you find the podcast? Yeah, and I... Oh, I'm sorry, I, oh, Sima. No, no, Sima, go ahead.
1: Sorry, can I just say one more thing? Yeah, of course. Scott? You'll be happy. You'll be happy you let me say this. You always say that you're not such a smart guy and you're, you know, if you could figure it out, anyone can. I have to say, you really have a gift. I mean, I'm an editor and a writer, so I'm very into words. And you really do have a gift for the way you explain things. The whole way you go over the tug of war of the insulin and the food, like that is a great visual. And again, even though that was something I knew to hear it put like that, it just, it gives you a different perspective to be able to visualize it like that. So I I have to disagree with your assessment that you're Mm. not so smart.
0: Maybe I'm just being folksy when I say that, (laughs) Sima. Yeah. How, about, how about on the last episode of the podcast, I'll tell everybody my IQ. You want to do that? Because I happen to know it because they tested it a lot when I was a kid, which, by the way, is not fun. Sounds good when they keep first time kindergarten. Knock, knock, knock on the kindergarten door. I can picture myself standing to the door next to Mrs. Moon, who was my kindergarten teacher. And Naomi, I have no long term memory so that I know that is this is a real memory. The the gentleman from the guidance office was outside. She went outside, chatted with him quietly, walked back in, brought me in the hall. Now, I was fairly certain that they had caught me doing something terrible and I was going down, even though I was five years old. I was like, Well, this is it. They got me. <laughs> so, um, I get out there and she bends down and she's in one of those like like it's just a classic seventies thing. Like she had horn rim glasses and a long dress, and you know, and she says, um, this is the guidance counselor. She introduces him by name and says, um, he wants you to go take a test. And I was like, for what? <laughs> and he goes, this is this was the explanation. And trust me, this is not what you should say to children because it it's still with me all these years later. And it wasn't good. She said, they think you're smarter than the other kids. And I was <laughs> like... And there it is right there. That's probably my ego right there. Probably started when I was five. I was like, I am smarter than these little idiots. (laughs) I look around, I see the dopey looks on their faces. I'm taking this whole thing over. Uh, But no, they sent me, I got my first IQ test and then my score remained exactly the same every time they gave it to me for years. And they would pull me in there constantly and make me take it over and over again. Um, But I never did well in school. I was actually a poor student, like a C plus. I was like walking around like I had one hundred and five. I was like, I did it. I'm like over the C and I wouldn't have gotten my first real adult job where I wasn't working my ass off if the if part of the hiring process wasn't an IQ test. Like I sat down Hmm. to get a job and they said, we want you to take this test. I was like, Whatever. So I start filling it out and I looked up at the person and I said, Hey, this is an IQ test. And she goes, how do you know that? And I said, this is like the 30th one I've ever taken. Like This is an IQ test. So I rolled through it, gave it to her. And like 10 minutes later they came out and they're like, you're hired. I was like, okay. And then the lady behind her goes, well, that's a good score. You got on that test. And I was like, cool, thanks. And I didn't, I was so like blue collar and poor that i was just like wow someone's going to give me a job where there are chairs and air conditioning i was like this is amazing <laughs> like like this is really but but i swear to you i i don't understand algebra i don't really know where commas go i don't understand any of the things that classically you're supposed to understand coming out of high school my brain just works a weird way that's all so anyway after this is over i'll tell you guys my iq but not on record <laughs> okay but i appreciate you saying that um what i have found and i don't know if i've ever said this in the podcast before But I think the thing you're giving me credit for is happenstance because I grew up in a very blue collar home because I was adopted by people who I'm not related to. And so they were just lovely, decent, like hardworking, you know, people. They didn't have extra money. They didn't go on a vacation. And I think that what you're hearing is a blend of how my brain works and how I was raised mixed together. I think that's why it occurs to me to tell people about a bolus like it's a tug of war instead of saying something that sounds like I learned it in college. And um, I actually think that's why the podcast is helpful to people, because I'm a blend of like two different cultures. But Naomi, I wanted to ask you, like, how did you find the podcast and and what did it do for you?
3: Oh, I mean, as I said, I knew nothing and nobody was helping me. Uh, my sister was helping me. But, you know, I mean, I guess for her, she, you know, she's had it for so many years. Um, I think I read Think Like a Pancreas, but books are not like super dynamic. You know, a lot of the information was a little older. Uh I think just one night I Googled type one diabetes podcasts and I listened to a different one and it was like, oh, okay. And then I started listening to yours and I guess I found, um, the Jenny episodes and things like that. And I was like, wow, this is what I need to know. Yeah. You know, um, Nobody told me a thing about pre-bolusing. Nobody told me anything. Mm -hmm. And I just started listening. And, you know, one thing that you say that really I I have your voice in my head a lot is if you know it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You Mm -hmm. know, don't keep doing the same thing every day because I have the same breakfast every day. And it literally if I if I tweak it differently, sometimes I'll go up very high and sometimes I'll be very flat. So Like today I did the thing that keeps it very flat. I pre-bolus for a little longer. Yeah. So just just things like that. They, you know, and you know, now when I go to the doctor, like I hate going to the doctor because I just feel it's just such a waste of my time. I feel like if you know how to if you know how to manage your type one diabetes well day in, day out, you shouldn't have to go to a doctor.
0: Mm -hmm. That that and why do you think that?
3: Because they're they're I'm literally sitting there, they weigh me, they take my blood pressure, they ask me some questions. They're billing my insurance. They're, they're not giving me any information that I need. Yeah. Nothing. I, I get nothing from my doctor other than my prescription. I mean, as an adult, it's a disease that you're living with daily. And other than my labs, I mean, I need my lab. They're, they're not telling me anything.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I did a survey. Right. I, I don't know if you saw. Give me a second, Sim, so I'll come right back to you. I did a survey recently. Mm-hmm. I got over, I don't know, like 1,100 listeners to the podcast to take a survey listen, I'm not a professional survey writer. So I'm sure there are people who will read it and be like, you didn't answer the right questions. But here's what I got out of the survey two to one people trust the podcast over their physician. And that was really that threw me off. Like I just like I know we talk about it. And it you know, people tell the same story like, you know, that's the nice guy with the prescription pad that I go see every once in a while. Um, But I was like, I just didn't think it would be that stark. Like the numbers are so stark. I don't even know if I'm going to share them with people. It looks like they're made up. And, um, I mean, good.
3: I mean, I will say if it, if it was a functional doctor, like the doctor you interviewed, mm-hmm. but you can't even see a functional doctor on insurance. So, I mean, a functional doctor I think would help me. Um, cause she'd be looking at me as a whole, as opposed to just my labs. Yeah. But, um, with the doctors I'm seeing now, I mean, so my doctor was away on vacation. They're like, do you want to see the uh, nurse practitioner? I'm like, sure, I'll see anyone. I don't, or the PA. I don't care who I see. They're all, they're all basically doing the same thing. They're checking my numbers for a few minutes and then they're writing me the pre- and they're refilling my prescriptions.
0: Yeah. Your point about that's not lost. Like I saw Addie, like I told you, uh, I don't know if I said it on the recording or not, but she's trying to help me with my iron and everything. And my first uh, sit down appointment with her was 90 minutes long. Like, we, we sat for an hour, like, it, it included, like, a physical inspection of my carcass. But we also, like, you know, like, we were in there talking about, like, she's, like, start at the beginning. And, like, as a child. And I went through my whole life and everything I could remember about my health, my digestion, like, all the things that I thought were pertinent to why I was there. And um, she did such a comprehensive blood draw. And, but you're not wrong. Like, I, I have to pay her in cash. Now, I can turn it into my insurance, and they will probably cover like 60% of it, uh, but it, it's still like, if you want somebody to sit and doctor house with you, it's not going to happen inside of the system. The system just doesn't right. allow for that. And a lot of us have issues that that need more than just like, oh, I ran a lab, and this is it, and like, we're all good now. Right. Yeah, it's really something. And now, Sima, you were going to jump in and say something. Do you remember what it was?
1: I think that what Naomi's saying and what your two-to-one podcast listeners are saying are accurate for people like us who take charge of their health. And, correct. you know, I, I'm not afraid to change to, I just adjusted my basal rate last night. I'm not one of those who says, well, in two and a half months, when I go into my endocrinologist, I'll ask her if I can raise my basal by 0.1 from yeah. 10 p.m. to midnight. Yeah. You know, um, so some people maybe do need to go to the doctor.
0: Well, well, somebody, well, I, I think, say. yeah, but I think what happens with what, what you're saying is, is that p- some people need to be reminded or pushed or, you know, just, or sometimes they don't see the forest for the trees. Like, like all the things are in front of them and they go, I don't know, like I see two plus two, but I don't know what that equals. And, and so that's what a doctor ends up doing. They ask you how you are, you tell them a little story and they try to infer from your story what, what's going on with you. And then they make some suggestions if you're lucky and you have a decent doctor. And there are people who then can use these conversations in the podcast to do that for themselves. Like a, it's a sounding board that doesn't talk back to them. They go like, oh, I heard that. I maybe should look at my whatever, pre-bolus, my basal, my carb ratio. And um, I think it's just, it's the conversation. It's the conversation you need that you don't get at most doctors unless you're going to pay them, I mean, honestly, two $300 for a visit. Because um, cash doctors are, you know, They're cash doctors. And also, they're not all good. We took Arden to somebody once for her issues, and nothing came of it. It was just, it was like a hippie lady sitting in a room, like, you know, pontificating about what could be and what could be, but she wasn't good at really figuring things out. Addie's terrific. Like, she's really something, actually. I want to mention here, and, and I hope this is being appreciated, Sima, that I've gotten your sister to say your name correctly. She's now saying Sima. Have you heard it? It's
3: very hard. Very, very
0: hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get the right credit for this, although I think she's going to flip back as soon as we get off of this recording. <laughs> Is there anything we haven't talked about that you guys wanted to? I want to make sure I'm not missing anything.
3: I mean, I just want to say that, you know, whatever you're doing, keep doing because you're, you're really helping people. So many people will be, I mean, so many people are having better results because of the podcast. I mean, I'm sure I'm just one of many, many people.
0: Thank you. That's very nice. I don't know how many people listen because oddly, that's not information Apple shares with people, Uh, but I see the downloads and I can tell you that we're talking in March. It's mid-March right now, 2023. This year, this calendar year, got to a million downloads in like 57 days and I went from 10 million to 11 million in less than two months uh, as far as that. And that's download streams, like however somebody listens to the show. And um, this week, in the first three days of this week, the podcast had twice as many downloads as it did in 2015, which is just insane. So it reaches people because I think because people have – like like Naomi, like she had an experience – and she looked up and said, oh, I know a person with diabetes. I'll tell them about it. And then, you know, you know, a kid who has it. And I'm sure you've told them. And Sima, have you told people about the podcast? Definitely have. Yeah. And see, that's just what happens. So the, the truth of it is, is it's it's easy to digest good information. And it does a lot of other things that I don't talk about as much. But we spoke about earlier today, like just supporting the idea of keeping you motivated um, which I think is what most of these motivation podcasts are. Like, you know, ex-Marines who are screaming at you to get up at 4 a.m. and go for a run on their podcast or whatever, like anywhere in between. It's just somebody reminding you, like, hey, do a thing. Hey, do a thing. Hey, do a thing. And um, anyway.
1: I don't think so. Scott, can I can I disagree? I, I don't think you're just reminding people. I think that you're showing them that it's possible based on your care of Arden. You're showing them that it's possible.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, and I,
1: I think that that's very powerful.
0: Right. Uh, I appreciate that. And it, it is it's funny, too, because the the show has become such a thing. This is going to sound like a brag, but the show like regularly charts in the top 15 of its category. Right. And if you look at the shows that are above it, they're all run by like corporations or groups of people. And like I'm going away tomorrow uh, to see my kids. And so I'm going to be gone for like 10 days. So I had to do three work weeks worth of work in the last like eight days so that I can go away. And because the podcast is just me, the reason I, I bring that up is because I get lost in what it is sometimes because the thing you just said is something that I used to say all the time, which is early on when I made this podcast, the the vibe in the diabetes community was that you never shared any good news you had because it would make other people feel bad if they were struggling. And I heard that and I always rubbed up against that. I always thought that that's not right. Like if if so you're telling me that there are people out there who know how to do these things and they're off somewhere not thinking about diabetes very often with some A1C in the 5s and a great prognosis for their life and everything and they're not going to say anything because it might hurt someone's feelings? I was like I don't I don't buy into that. Like, I think that's aspirational. And I think if we set it up as aspirational, instead of setting it up through a victim mentality, which is kind of how it was set up in the past, like you can't say what is good for you because it makes me sad. Like, all right, well, get over that because the things that I know are going to help you if you stop wanting to have your feelings hurt and start wanting to have like some of these experiences for yourself. Like, it's right there. So I agree with you. I think it's, I think the aspirational nature of it is really important. I just forget to talk about it because I've been doing this for so long. And often what you hear from me is just what's ever like more top of my mind or more, um, I guess, prevalent in my life at the moment when I'm talking. Uh, But I appreciate you saying that because I believe- Right, well,
1: I went back- I went back to some older episodes when my sister told me about it. I mean, I'm still in the 400s. So (laughs) I've listened to some newer ones, like when you have the Dexcom people on or certain ones I listen to right away. But mostly I've I've kind of been working through them. Oh,
0: Sima, you're in for such a treat. I get so much better at this, like 2019, (laughs) 2020. (laughs) And my microphone gets better. Your inference. Oh, well, that's good. Your inference. I insurance. think
1: I passed that one already, where you said you had the new microphone. Oh my I
0: think. god! I, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still. If you brought it up right now, we were sitting around having coffee, which I wouldn't be drinking because I've never had coffee, but I just meant sitting around drinking something. I'm so mad about that first microphone. Still, I could have bought this mic, and I didn't know, and I tried to save a little money. It still makes me upset. Anyway, all right. So what have we gone over? You guys didn't know each other growing up about what was going on with diabetes. <laughs> Um, you obviously have a very close relationship now over it. I'm terrific. Uh, what else have we missed? Anything? This is it, right?
2: Well,
1: I, I just have one funny, you know, slightly funny story to share. So unlike you, we actually were very good students. All, all five, all five of us mm -hmm. were very good students. And recently we were at an event and I actually gave my brother-in-law, Naomi's husband, my phone because I wasn't going to really be able to have access to my phone. And I said, please watch my phone and let me know if I'm going high or going low. and need to make any adjustments or whatever. And he also had, he was following her numbers on the follow app. So I think either he said it or one of her kids said it. They're like, this is the first time that one of them wants to have the lower number, <laughs> the lower grade.
0: That's fantastic. It was really funny. Yeah, I did not have that problem. I needed two classes to get a hundred points. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had to, like, add English to math, and then I could have had an A. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really strange. And I, I'm not a proponent of it, by the way. I really, like, when my kids were in school, I was like, you'd do good. And they did, by the way. But I just didn't, I mean, if I had to, if I had to guess, I didn't grow up with people whose minds worked the way mine did. And their expectation was I'd get a job in my uncle's sheet metal shop. And that I just had to live through these first eighteen years, and then I was allowed to work. Like it was, it was kind of more like that. Um, anyway, all right, yeah. you guys were absolutely terrific. I have to go because I'm going to go get my iron infusion. I need to get ready for that, and I'm very excited. Like you know, when okay. you when you hear parents go, like Good luck. the things you're excited about when you're a parent, this is the best thing that's happened to me all year. Uh, I appreciate. It. There's no luck. I will sit there. They'll put an IV in. Forty five minutes later, I will leave, and uh, just like that, I will have the uh, correct amount of ferritin and iron and iron binding capacity and all the things that I do not have at the moment. And hopefully Addy and I can figure out why that is and put a stop to it. My bet is this is completely conjecture, but my bet is this might be a thyroid thing for me. Mm. So we're going to find out when all the blood work comes back.
3: Bring Addy back. We want a new Addy episode.
0: Uh, I tell her all the time when I speak to her, I'm like, you know, I tell her how many, like, downloads her episode has, and she's just like, that's amazing. She talks about – I should let her talk about it, but we talked in my appointment just real quickly about um, she wants to – She she's starting to have that pressure about um, I'm not reaching enough people. And she's starting to think about just making videos and putting them online and stuff like that. So – Um, Yeah, she's got a ton of information in her head. Okay, guys, I do have to jump. Um, Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Scott.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. It really is. It was nice to meet both of you. Uh, Hold on one second, okay? I want to thank Sima and Naomi for coming on the show today and sharing their rather interesting story with us. I also want to thank US Med, usmed.com slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. Actually, that number is specifically special for Juicebox Podcast listeners. Get started today with US Med. You're going to love it. Having your supplies just show up at the house is uh, it's really fantastic. It takes a weight off your shoulders. I want to thank you for listening and remind you about the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. Head over there now, go to the Feature tab, look into all of the different series within the podcast or check it out at juiceboxpodcast.com. Once there was a time when I just told people, if you want a low and stable A1C, just listen to the Juicebox podcast. But as the years went on and the podcast episodes grew, it became more and more difficult for people to listen to every one. So I made the Diabetes Pro Tip series. This series is with me and Jenny Smith. Jenny, is a certified diabetes care and education specialist. She's also a registered and licensed dietitian and a type 1 herself for over 30 years. And I, of course, am the father of a child who was diagnosed at age 2 in 2006. The Pro tip series begins at episode 210 with an episode called Newly Diagnosed or Starting Over. And from there, all about MDI, pre-bolusing, insulin pumping, bumping and nudging, variables, exercise, illness, injury, surgeries, glucagon long-term health, bumping and nudging, how to explain type 1 to your family, postpartum, honeymoon, transitioning, all about insulin, temp basals, These are all different episodes. Setting your basal insulin, fat and protein, pregnancy, the glycemic index and load, and so much more, like female hormones and weight loss. Head now to juiceboxpodcast.com. Go up in the menu at the top and click on Diabetes Pro Tip. Or if you're in the private Facebook group, There's a list of these episodes right in the Featured tab. Find out how I help keep my daughter's A1c between 5'2 and 6'2 for the last 10 years without diet restrictions. JuiceboxPodcast.com. Start listening today. It's absolutely free.